The title of the message today is called Man Chooses and God Allows. Man Chooses and God Allows. And um, of course there's going to be a part two because um, there's some more, inf- more I want to share. And I hope uh, today that um, this could, will really resonate with you and kind of give you an understanding and, and answer some questions for us as far as life, as far as how things have affected us in the past and currently, not only personally, but also we could just look at the scope of things in life and have a better understanding. And um, so that's my hope and my prayer. So I'd like us to turn to the book of First Samuel, chapter 8. That's in the Old Testament. So let me just uh, state before I start reading from the scriptures. Now, after the fall of man, or Adam, there was always an intermediary between God and the people. When Adam walked with God, there was no, inter- there was no need for an intermediary. Adam had fellowship with God. But after the fall of man, after they gave in to to temptation, they were separated from God. And since then, and if you go back and read all through the Old Testament, there was always an intermediary between God and the people. People like Moses, um, Joshua, and then the judges, and so forth. And in the New Testament, New Testament, the intermediary between the people and God is Jesus. When Israel was in Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt, um, when they were delivered and now in the context of of 1 Samuel chapter 8, they're in the promised land. The promise God made to Abraham, this promise has been realized. And they are in a land where the inhabitants are ruled by kings. Now, being ruled by kings is a foreign concept to to Israel. They never had kings. And in this story where I'm going to talk about Samuel, a little bit about Samuel, Samuel was the last judge and the first prophet over Israel. So, as I said, Samuel was the, in other words, you could say he could be, would have been the last intermediary between God and the people, the way God used to interact with the people. So there was a shift in the relationship between God and the people, how that relationship um, was, was transpired over time. There was now a shift that was going to take place. And Samuel was old, and he made, and his sons, he made judges over a city called Beersheba. And his sons were corrupt. He is priming his sons to take over when he passed. So they were judges over a city called Beersheba. But the problem with that, his sons were corrupt. Because Samuel didn't do his job in raising his sons. So we're going to start reading from 1 Samuel chapter 8. And I'll start at verse 4 through 9. So if you can follow with me. So I'm going to start reading from verse 4. And it says here, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramath. 
and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but have, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Verse 8, According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. And verse 9. Now therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Okay, so that's the end of the reading. So there are a couple of things I want to point out here. As I mentioned before, Samuel was the last judge because there was a shift that was about to take place because of the request of the people. And these were the elders here now who were speaking to Samuel. And because Samuel's son, the ones, the ones he appointed to be judges over Beersheba, they were corrupt. And if you read in the previous verses, you see the stuff that they were doing. So the people were tired. They were tired of it. So they're asking Samuel now, we want a king over us. We don't want judges. We want a king. Now it said here in verse 6, the, the thing displeased Samuel when they say give us a king. Samuel didn't have a problem in them wanting change. Because his sons, the, the ones who were going to take over, they were corrupt. So he didn't have a problem with them wanting new leadership. The problem he had is what they asked for instead. They said, give us a king to, to judge us, to rule over us, like the other nations. So that displeased Samuel, and I'll explain to you why it displeased Samuel. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and of course the Lord heard what they had said. And, and, and the Lord said to Samuel, listen to what the people have asked for. He said, they didn't reject you, Samuel. They rejected me. Why did the Lord make a statement such as that? Well, the Lord gave it, he explained in verse 8. He said, all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of, the, out of Egypt to this day, they have forsaken me. And if you go back and read the history, since the Lord brought them out of slavery from Egypt even to this point in time, they have always uh, rebelled against God. They have always rejected and turned away from God. And God has been always patient with them over all those years. Patient. They will turn against Him. They will get you know, themselves in trouble. They will be punished. They will be turned over to their enemies. They'll re they will call out to God and he will, and He will rescue them. So the Lord has been putting up with their behavior over all these years. And He said... Basically, what they're asking now is nothing new. It's just another rebellious, another uh, state of rebellion. They're asking for something which they don't have, but they want to be like the other nations. So the people, understandably, they would be unhappy with 
the, the, the judges who were going to take over Samuel's son because they were corrupt. They were corrupt and the things they were doing were, were ungodly. And anyone would want change. You know, we live in a time where people want change. They want, you know, they want change. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem that Samuel had with their request is the type of change they wanted. And let me just explain it to you. The, the change that the people wanted was going against what God has already established. Remember, there was always an intermediary between God and the people. So you had Abraham, you had Moses, you had, uh, now you have Samuel, who is a, he's a judge. He's also, he's a prophet. God always spoke to the people through the prophets. He always guided the people through the prophets. He always provided for people through the prophets. People he ruled, he raised up. Not by leaders appointed by the people. It's always people God will raise up to do his will, to provide and take care of the people of Israel. So now the people are asking for something that's not unique to them, but it's just like everybody else in the area, in the region. So they wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted a man to rule over them instead of God. So they commanded, they were demanding to have a king, a man, rule over them. That's what they, they, they were demanding. They wanted the same type of rulership or, or leadership structure. The people in the land that they were supposed to drive out, they wanted that same type of leadership structure, which is not what they had with God. What God established wasn't good enough for them. They were being reigned and ruled by, by the living God. He was their king. But instead they're asking for a man to rule over them instead of the living God. So that is what displeased Samuel. Because Samuel knew what they asked was going against the structure. The leadership structure God had already established for them. Because of all the nations of the earth, they were the only nation that were ruled and reigned over by the living God. Everyone else was ruled over by men. So that, that's unique. That was unique to the people of Israel back then. Very unique. There were no other nations on the earth that were like that. So what God had established wasn't good enough. They wanted to be like everybody else. They have come so far from being slaves in Egypt to the occupants of a land prepared for them as promised. With no king but God. God was the one taking care of them, providing for them, fighting their battles. If you go back and read the history, the things that they had to go through. God was there with them, taking care of them. So what they asked for, as I said, displeased Samuel. Because Samuel understood the relationship that God had with the people. The people couldn't interact directly with God. They couldn't. They couldn't because of, of, of the relationship. Because they had to go through the priests. Okay? So now, in verse 7, it says here, the change they wanted, and, and, and the Lord said, he listen to what they say. The change they wanted was a rejection of God as their king. They did not realize that they were settling for less. 
You were rejecting this, this, the established structure of leadership that you currently have and you want to be like everybody else. You want to be ruled over by a man instead of a God. The living God. So you are already, you want to settle for less. What is beneath you? So in verse 9, God said to Samuel, he said to, he said to Samuel, because God never spoke directly to the people. He spoke through, to the people through the prophet or through the judge. He said, listen to what they're asking for. Warn them and show them what they're in for. He said, warn them ahead of time. Let them know what they're asking for and the consequences of what they're asking for. Because once this is approved, once this is set in motion, there is no turning back. You can't go and undo any, you can't undo this once, when God says, let it be so, he is not going to go against his word. It is a done deal. So he said, tell these people, listen to what they're saying, and warn them ahead of time what this king that they're asking for is going to be like, and the consequences. So, Samuel told the, the people the words of the Lord. What the behavior of this king will be, and the consequences. And we're going to pick this up now in verse 18. But listen to their response. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. We want a king to rule over us. Verse 20. And we also may be like all the nations. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. What they are asking for a man to do, God was already doing it. So, and verse um, 22. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. So verse 22 tells me, God said, Okay, that's what they want. Give them what they want. And the Lord said now in verse 18, And you will cry out in the day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. There are consequences to the king that you will choose. And when you start regretting your choice, he said, Lord, say, I won't respond to you right away. You will have to suffer through whatever it is this king is going to do. Because you have made your bed and you have to lay, lie in it. Many times we, we, we get ourselves in drama and we've heard the saying, you make your bed, you lie in it. You're screaming because you want to be rescued from the trouble. But there is no easy way out. You just got to deal. You just got to deal with the, with the consequences and the fallout of your decision. That's what the Lord is telling him here. He said, verse 18, You will cry out in regret for having this king, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. You will just have to deal with it. <clears throat> so the people refused to hear. They refused the warning. They didn't want to take heed to the warning. They wanted what they wanted. They wanted a king over them to rule over them and fight their battles. They wanted to be like everybody else. That's their choice. God already had something established. He had a system of leadership and rule already established. He was their king. He was the one leading them. He was the one providing, fighting their battles. But they chose a man. But the Lord said, give them what they want. 
They made the choice. God didn't go against their choice. Remember, you always hear me say, God will never go against our own choices. He will know he won't do it. He can't do it because he's going against his own word. Because he's given a man free will. So if this is what they want, let it be so. I warned them ahead of time. I told them what is going to happen. And they want it. They still want it. Let it be so. So these people had the opportunity to change their mind. Because when Samuel, the Lord told them, told Samuel to warn them, they had an opportunity based on the information they were given to change their mind. But they chose not to. The leaders were the ones demanding the change. And this, and this is something I really want us to, look, to pay attention to. It was the leadership who was demanding from Samuel that they wanted a king. Samuel didn't want it. And I'm sure there were some other people who didn't want that type of, didn't want that change. But the ones in charge with the power and with their supporters are usually the ones whose voices are heard. When their demands are heeded, they take the rest of the people down with them. Usually it's the people with the loudest voices who's making the most noise and causing the most chaos. You ever heard this? The, the what? The what? The, the, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the attention. That's exactly what, what happens. That's how Jesus got put on the cross. Is the leadership who was screaming the loudest and their supporters say crucify him. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas instead of Jesus. And that's what Pilate heard. The majority, the loudest ones were the ones whose voices were heeded. So what was amazing about Israel compared to any other nation was their relationship with God. It was unique. Unlike any other nation known to man. They had the living God reigning over them. Caring for them. Keeping them. Fighting their battles. Providing the wisdom and the guidance they needed. Bringing them from slaves to occupants of a, of a promised land. There was no way they could fail as long as they were faithful to him. There was nothing Israel couldn't accomplish. And if you go back and read their history, nothing as long as they were faithful to God. They came from slaves into a land. They didn't have to dig a well. They didn't have to build a city. They didn't have to plant vineyards. Nothing. Everything was already prepared for them. All they had to do was occupy. That's how much God went with his foreknowledge and forethought. Hundreds and hundreds of years before there were slaves in Egypt, he went before them and already prepared the land. I mean, what kind of man or king has that kind of forethought? There was no man alive or have ever been who has that kind of forethought to provide and look ahead into the future to know what is the people will need and, and provide for that. It's only God can do that. This is the type of relationship they were willing to sacrifice. So Israel wanted the ordinary when they had the extraordinary. People make bad choices when they do not know or appreciate the value of what they have. So when you don't understand what you have, you're willing to settle for less. So you have to be very careful about, about what, you, what, what you're seeking, what you're after. And think not only of the short term, but you've got to think the long term of the consequences. So this is what Israel wanted to sacrifice, a relationship with the living God 
to be led by a man who was, and, and we will see, and I'll talk a little bit more about this next week. This is a flawed king. And every king that came afterwards was flawed. Even David, a man after God's heart, own heart, was flawed. But you see the consequences the people had to face because of the choices these kings made. The God that brought them out of slavery into the promised land, who saw them through all these so many battles, supernaturally provided for them. They rejected his counsel for their own counsel, for what they thought was right in their own eyes. So God gave them what they wanted. Man chooses, God allows it. He allows it. Everything that has brought these people to where they are now, everything that has brought this country to where it is now, God allowed it because of the choices people have made. And if you want, look at, if you look, listen to this, Israel always had an intermediary, as I said before, a spokesperson between them and God. Always. And eventually, now they want a king. And now, bringing it to, to, to modern day, we have Christ as our intermediary between us and the living God. The only intermediary, intermediary the only spokesperson we have between us and God is Christ. That's it. Period. And our relationship with the Father, the Heavenly Father, our only access to Him is through Christ. I don't care what anyone else says. Because if you say something different, you're going against what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if anyone says different, they're calling Jesus a liar. If Jesus says, I am the way to the Father, the only way. If I say something different, then I am contradicting what He said. As far as I, I know, I only go by what the scriptures tells me. And I know and I see the history. The only there was only one intermediary between God and man. And it's the same structural type in the new covenant. Christ. Everything was pointing to him. Also, there was no need for an earthly king or priest. There's no need for anybody to come between us and God. We should never allow anything or anyone to come between us and our relationship with the living God. The only access that we are allowed to have to God is through Christ. You put a man or you put an ideology or you put, it's an idol or you're putting something between you and God. Except what God has already established as his structural, as his structure for our relationship with him. You put anything in between there, you are settling for less than what God has already established for us. To have fellowship, intimacy with Him. Anything else is an error. Anything else is man-made. Anything else we put in between is settling for less than what God has already determined for us to be. If we allow anything in between, we are settling for the ordinary and not pursuing the extraordinary. So we are not like everyone else. As believers in Christ, we are not like the world. We are not like everyone else. We have a unique relationship with the living God, who is also our Heavenly Father. And it's through our King who is Christ. There is no other people on earth who can claim an intimate relationship with the living God, who sacrificed for us, saved us, 
so that we can, he can call us his people. There is no other people on this earth that can claim a relationship with the living God. That's a whole different thing. Because religion imposes people. Rules and regulations imposed by people. Relationship with Christ. There is no rules or regulation. There is only relationship. You get to understand and have fellowship with the Father is through Christ. Because as you know Christ, you know the Father. Because the Father and, and, and Christ and Jesus, they are one. Because His attributes, His character, His demeanor is the same as that of the Father. And we are in Christ. So we are, we are in Him. We are being conformed to that same image. That same demeanor. That same mental uh, acuity. That same heart. That's what we are being changed into. That's what we are being conformed to. Christ is, the, is our prototype. And while we, we pursue Him, we pursue the Father. And we are, also, we are changed as we pursue Him. Because the closer and closer we get to Him, the more and more we are being shaped into that image. To be like God. That's why we're here. We and the called out one, the ecclesia, we are being changed to be like God. Himself, the living God. So we are not like everyone else. We have this unique relationship with the living God. Don't be afraid to say about yourself what God says about you. I don't care what people say. People might say, oh, you're not smart. You're not educated. I don't care. Don't listen to that. You have the mind of Christ. You are special. You are valuable to God. You have a royal priesthood. You have been chosen. You have been called. You are special to God. And don't let anyone tell you anything different. Because when you believe the lies, when you believe what people tell you that's different about what God says about you, you are settling for the ordinary and giving up the extraordinary. We are not normal people. When I say normal, I don't mean we are, we, we are crazy. We are chosen by God. Do you understand what it means that you are chosen? That's why we are special. Because we are not like every other nation on this earth. When I talk about nation, I'm not talking about uh, the physical. I'm talking spiritual beings. We are not like everybody else. So if we don't understand what we have in and through Christ, we will easily give it up for something of lesser value. And you know, as I said, the topic of this message, and I'll continue with this next week, is that man chooses and God allows. Let me break it down for you. All of man was, is in sin. And with sin is corruption. That's why we have all this drama going on in the world. Because the world is corrupt. The systems are corrupt. Because the systems have been created by man who is corrupt. So you can't have a righteous system created by corrupt people. Corrupt people can only produce corrupt fruit. So God sent his son into this corrupt world to save the lost, <clears throat> to redeem fallen man. In it, he gave us a choice. You choose to receive Christ or you choose to reject it. If you receive him, you receive Christ, you're translated from darkness into light. 
if you reject it, God allows it. He allows those who receive Christ and He allows those who reject it. Whatever choice you make, God allows you to make the choice. And the consequences, you suffer the consequences. It could be good consequences or bad consequences. God allows us to make the free choice. That's it. He'll never go against our choice. So when people say, how come God allowed this, this and that? And, and why doesn't God do something about this? God can't, every, the suffering we are seeing is a result of consequences and choices that were made. That's why it's important for people to speak up and not be silent when you see injustice happening. Because if you allow the injustice to continue, People will just, it will just keep being perpetuated. When you allow people to be muzzled, the people in power, their will is dictated and their will is done. But when people rise up and are allowed to rise up and voice and they are heard, then change can happen. So we have to be very careful. I'm just giving you an analogy of what happens in the natural and why things happen in the natural and how we are to be as far as things in the spirit. Okay? So every time where you watch, where God moved on behalf of his people, where the people repented and they cried out to God and then God moved. The people repented, turned from their sin, cried out to God and then God moved on their behalf. Okay, So you could have people doing whatever they're doing, but if they don't repent and cry to God, God will not move. He would leave things as they are. Because people have made their choice. Alright, so I'm going to stop there today, and I'll pick this up next week.